Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. We appreciate you taking time to listen in today. Today's guest is a multifaceted artist. She is a singer and songwriter who's been making music for a couple of decades now. She's performed with and for artists like Sheila E., Sir Elton John, Eric Darius, Music Soul Child, and Really, she's become a bit of a fixture with Dave Koz in some ways, as well as Eric Darius. She's really starting to take her rightful place as not only a fixture with those guys, but also a fixture on smooth jazz radio and on the touring scene. In addition to her music career, she's an actress, a model, a former college basketball player, and a motorcycle and automobile enthusiast. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about and unpack here. Welcome to today's show, Rebecca Jade. Rebecca, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, Carl. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, the pleasure. The pleasure is all ours. The pleasure is all ours. So I got to say, over the past few years, your profile has just continued to rise and rise on a national and an international level. How is that feeling for you? It's literally a dream come true. I, I, I'm not even joking. I, I know I have a, a little note on my mirror, you know, when I'm getting ready in the morning and I probably should update it now because a lot of the things that I've had on that list have been starting to come true. And I'm just so grateful. I'm li literally doing what I've been wanting to do and that's travel the world and do music. So I'm pinching myself still. <laughs> so what are the things that were on that list? Travel the world, do music, what else? Yeah. Another item is like, well, one of them was like to start touring, you know, across the country. That was actually the first goal. And I ended up being, being able to do even, uh, you know, kind of a, across the globe, like a lot of the cruises and cool, cool festivals. Another one was to have a, have a team that, that kind of is, supports me in, as far as like management and, you know, a team with, to help with like social media and that kind of thing. So I have those folks that are in, in my corner. Shout out to Gina McCain, you know, it made you management and, you know, so like stuff like that, you know, like just having that team that helps you to see your vision come true. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think one shout out to Gina is a great shout out because Gina is one of the one of the coolest people in this industry. I love working with Gina. And so anytime I get a chance to work with Gina, I'm happy to work with Gina. Same here. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think, too, a lot of times people, you know, we see you guys on stage. We hear you on the radio. But a lot of us listeners don't really understand all that goes into being Rebecca Jade, the artist. Right. That's true. Yeah. I love the whole, the saying, it takes 15 years to become an overnight success, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And that's true. Yeah. So there's a lot of facets that I also like to just, it's a mixture of things, right? I mean, there's uh, luck me meeting preparation because I can't specify enough that there are so many talented people out there in the world, you know? And we see it a lot more now that there's social media is such a is here to stay. But like there's a lot of talented people out there. So what differentiates one person from making it that, you know, or like being along this path than another person? I don't know what the answer is. I'm, I'm just so grateful that I'm on that path. It's something that I've always wanted to do. And I'm just so I'm grateful. I don't take it for granted. Good for you. Good for you. So speaking of that, it brought a question to mind. Tell me, talk to us about how your connection with Dave Koss came to be because you've you've been on his holiday tours on his cruises and done lots of things with dave and dave is he's kind of like the smooth jazz conglomerate really 
<laughs> yeah, he is amazing. Not only is he incredible, all the, the productions that he puts on, he is an amazing person. And I came across basically being a part of his cruise was how I got started. Somebody was putting together the party band and needed a female vocalist. And I was good friends with the people that they were like, hey, we need a female singer. Are you down to do this cruise? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's literally how it got started. I was in the party band. I didn't know Dave personally, and but he made me feel very welcome. And from there, the next year, I did the party band again. And then he trusted me to do some other shows. And then I sang vocals for some singers. And then I got to feature my own show in a lounge in the on the ship somewhere. And then next thing I know, I'm singing in the gospel show. And it just it was all these beautiful growths that happened each year. And then one year, I remember going to see the Christmas show when it came to San Diego. That's where I live. And I was floored, Carl. I was like... That's an amazing show. I'm looking at it. I was like, this is incredible. I said, I would love to be a part of this show. But I was like, there's no way. My 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 little terrible, the, the, the voice in my head that, you know, that a lot of us have that kind of like diminished that, you know. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget. I talked to my friend, Chris Walker. He's an amazing singer, bass player. And he had done the, the Christmas tour with Dave like that year or the year prior to me seeing it. And he was like, don't say that. You don't know. Don't limit yourself, you know? And I said, you know what? You're right, you know? And I kid you not, like maybe three or three months later, Dave called me to join him on the Christmas tour. <laughs> so it's even if you doubt yourself, sometimes the blessings will still come because just so I, I don't take it for granted again. And I'm just so grateful. And, and now, so I got to do the Christmas tour with him three, three years in a row. So, okay, so after after you got off the phone with Dave, yeah. after that call to say, hey, I want you to come <laughs> come do the show with me, uh-huh. was it the big scream and yell? Was it the happy dance? Was it all of those things yeah. and then some? I've never been really good at, like, that scream, but I had a little squeal. I definitely squealed. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. And I think my husband was in the room, too. And I remember, actually, we were sorting through papers or something on the ground, and I remember, <laughs> like, like tackling him, sort of. Like, I was, just, you know. Good for you. Good for you. So, I got I tell you, you know, I listen to your music a lot and preparing for the show today was listening to, you know, just kind of going back through your catalog and man, your music is really, really diverse. Like there's your jazz side, you have your R&B and kind of funk side, there's your smooth jazz stuff. You just mentioned doing gospel stuff. How did you, and I know your mom was a singer too, right? So I'm curious as to two things. One, how was music like always going on in your house and what were you listening to? And then how did you develop such a diverse musical talent? Because everybody can't sing everything. That's, you know, like, like all singers can't sing everything and you can, you can pretty much sing everything. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate that compliment. Thank you so much. Sure. Yeah. When I was growing up, my mom, you know, said being a singer, she always had music in the house. We had like certain albums we loved to play. Like, of course, dur- during certain times of the year, but very, she's the very diverse person too. She really helped me really have an eclectic taste because she loves her favorites were like Three Dog Night and we loved like Patti LaBelle and uh, Roberta Flack is one of her favorite artists. So like early on, but she also sings in choirs. So she introduced me to classical music early on too. So I, she always, and then I lived partly in Puerto Rico when I was a kid. So we also a lot of Latin music, a lot of Celia Cruz and just salsa and just, just that. So I was always she always exposed me to different types of music growing up before I even understood like the diverse styles and whatnot. So when, as I got older and started to kind of 
understand it more and kind of internalize music and the different genres. And, you know, like Billie Holiday was my favorite jazz singer from when I first started like listening, there was just something about her voice as I started to kind of understand, you know, the elements. So like Billie Holiday was my favorite. And then I kind of delved, you know, down into jazz. And then as I got a little older, then of course the superstar Whitney Houston be- like she was a big influence on me. And then as I got older, when I started actually doing music professionally, I was in a lot of cover bands. And I think that I can attribute that to really maybe a lot of the variety of styles. You know, of course, my my upbringing, I don't like it's not I don't think a lot like everybody can't sing jazz. I think that because my mom's a jazz singer, that really helped me to have that understanding of like the phrasing and like, you know, all that you know, the, the, the difference of singing jazz than it is to singing top 40 and like pop, you have to like pop, you have to really be like on the beat and stuff like that. Whereas jazz, you can like lay behind the beat and stuff. So, you know, I just kind of learned, I kind of learned that over many years of being in cover bands that they want, Oh, Hey, they want you to sing this song. Okay, great. Okay. Now this, this party is this kind of song, this kind of stuff. Great. I want to appease at, especially at that moment, I'm trying to make money. I want to, I want you to hire me because I can do whatever you need. Style musically. So that I think uh, has served me really, really well. Yeah, clearly it has, because I think that, you know, when you listen to your music, it's the cool thing about listening to a bunch of your music at the same time for me has been just that it takes you to different places, you know, you different experiences, right? There's, I think great artists have the ability to do that, right? To be a little bit of this over here, because that's maybe what they're feeling and what they're experiencing now, but then to be something totally different the next go around, but still be themselves, which is not an easy thing to do. And it's hard because at least when I was kind of coming into the industry, I was trying to do records back in the day. Prior to the ones that you have, I had been I had done a couple other attempts at doing, you know, making it, quote unquote, right? <laughs> And what is the question that you you can probably assume that they would always ask? So what kind of style? And I'm like, oh, man, it's kind of you're pigeonholing me because I love so many different styles. I remember, you know, that being such a, a conversation. And I do what I love. Like my husband and I would talk a while after that. We would go, gosh, you know, like. I don't want to pigeonhole myself. I want to put out music that I love. And that hopefully if, because I love it, somebody else is going to love it, you know? So we, I've just come to to really think outside of that, of, of trying to pigeonhole myself in, in some sort of genre. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So when people listen to your music or when people experience you on, on stage, what do you want them to take away musically and beyond the music? Oh, that's a great question. I want them, I'm almost a... I'm a sucker for just positivity and love. I want people to walk away from my show feeling invigorated or just lighter. I want you to, you know, if you have any burdens when you come in, which some people may be dealing with some something tough at that time. I want you to hopefully be, when you come to a show that I'm in, or if it's my show, I just hope you walk away lighter than when you came in. Even if you're in, if you're happy, I want you to walk away even happier. You know, I want you to have just a positivity that you've left the show like on a higher realm than when you got there. That's fantastic. That's great. So, well, let's listen to one of those songs that does just that, that, that makes people feel good. How about we take a listen to your one of the songs that we're hearing a lot of lately on contemporary jazz radio. That's Bottle Up Magic. Yes. Monday, carefree, you 
All right, everybody. That was Bottle Up Magic by today's guest, Rebecca Jade. And so, Rebecca, tell us how that song came to be, because you just mentioned about the positivity. That's one of the things I noticed with your song titles, like so much positivity in your song titles even, right? How did that one come to be? Oh, this one was such a great song. Funny. So a little backstory on the the whole album is called The Shade of Jade. And my goal for this record was to put out, to write all the songs. I was almost non-negotiable about that. And I reached out to my friend, Carnell Harrell, who helped co-produce the record, amazing piano player, producer, arranger. And he, he really helped me bring this record to life. And so I had nine songs and I have one other one that I had written. And uh, to me, it just didn't fit quite right. I didn't want to add a song just to add a song. I wanted to, and I was just, I was toying with, okay, what's another song maybe I could write and all that stuff. So at the same time, I, you know, I was inspired by this, writing this record. And, and I remember I've been wanting to get involved more in like movie or music placement for commercials or TV shows or movies, you know, that type of thing. And I want to build a catalog. So I had written this other song co-written this song with a friend of mine, Veronica May. And I had reached out to her on a totally separate thing. I was like, hey, I want to start. We had such a great time writing this other song together that we'd written like the prior year. And I was like, I just had such a great writing experience. I'd never done, had such a great experience before. And I want to start writing songs, just just a catalog. It wasn't for the record. It was literally to start just having songs that, hey, we're looking for something poppy. Here's the pop song, you know, here's something. You know. So we were right. We were gonna, so she's like, absolutely. So we started to cut brainstorm and she's like hey okay I, I kind of have this idea for this song and so she brought me this idea and we wrote bottle up magic together and as we were wrapping this up this is the first song out the gate that we were like gonna be writing this and I was like Veronica can I just take this song and put it on my record I need one more song and I love <laughs> this song and so she was like absolutely so that's the only song on the record that I co-wrote with another lyricist but that is I fantastic. love it and then I, and then my my husband actually had the great idea he was like because I just started touring with Eric and I was kind of in in you know in the smooth jazz world as far as like coming out as my own artist you know and he said hey I mean you've been touring with Eric why don't you see if he'd be willing to record on it I said Oh, yeah. It was kind of like a duh, you know? <laughs> I was like, oh, sure. And I reached out to him. He was like, absolutely. He's like, I love the song, you know? And I already, I'd already recorded on a couple of his songs. And so it was like a cool, you know, like a cool back and forth. And so he agreed to it, killed it, and uh, history. And that's my, that's, that's such a beautiful song. I love it so much. Yeah, it is a beautiful song. So is your husband in the music industry as well? No, no, not really. He just sees, he's just very observant. He's, he studied psychology in college and just, you know, so he just kind of gets a sense of people and like settings and surroundings. And he just, even though he's not in the music industry, we've been married uh, 18 years. And so he's been there. Thank you. And so he's, he's been, he's seen the process, you know, like we met when I first started you know, gigging, um, you know, so he's seen the whole evolution and, and um, you know, so he's got, he just has really good intuition and just good input along the way so, of, of this whole journey. So it's been great. That's fantastic. So Rebecca, we have this segment that we play on the show. It's called bout it or doubt it. Okay. <laughs> so, so if you're about it, it's something that you're down with. If you doubt it, it's something you're not quite feeling. Can, can we get you to do a little bout it or doubt it with us today? Yes, absolutely. I'm about it. All right, it. let's do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I started this body body. If you body, get em up. Get em up. I mean you body body. That I mean you body. body. We say you body body. Uh, I represent. represent. I doubt it. 
All right. So what we're going to do, Rebecca, is we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category. Then we're going to ask you a couple of about it or doubt it questions. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Okay, Rebecca, your category today is around the house. Okay. Okay. About it or doubt it. Gardening. Doubt it. Yeah. Not your thing. No. And I have. I have tried, sort of. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, talk us through that. <laughs> yeah, I, I love greenery. I just don't seem to have the green thumb. And I have been kind of, I travel a bit. So, yeah, I try. I love it. I love the look of it, like greenery and, you know, just like pretty plants and flowers. And I, I love the look. I just don't think, I, I, they're not in good hands, I think, <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm like you. I can kill a plant by just by looking at it, you know? And I, I have tried myself and it has been it's been a futile effort. Oh. And my wife and daughter, we, we moved into a new house six years ago and they wanted to start gardening and so we got this big planter and they planted all this stuff and it like it just never happened. Oh <laughs> just, man. It just no, never yeah, happened, it's funny. So. I have a similar kind of similar story. We where we live, they actually were like built in like you tell the people who lived here before had tried had done some planting gardening and so there was these planters already here you know and i was like oh man you know what let's do it like let's plant corn and all that stuff man they were starting to to grow and then one day it looked like a uh, rabid bunnies came and just <laughs> tore, tore it all up i was like <laughs> yeah that was the end of that and you see, I see some people on TV and whatnot, and they're growing like gardens and they're feeding. I had Michael Palazzolo. I don't know if Michael, but Michael plays bass for Bob James. I had Michael on the show last year. And Michael, like this dude gardens and, you know, harvests all this food for his family. Gardens his own grapes to make his own wine and stuff. And I'm like, wow, I, I, I'd never be successful doing that. <laughs> never. So I, I, I wish I wishful thinking, but it's it just doesn't seem to be, uh, be in the cards right now. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. All all right. Well, how about one more question? Okay. How about about it or doubt it cooking? About it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, okay. I could, I, I think I can cook pretty well. I don't, I just don't delve in yet into, into like trying a lot of different things, but actually lately I've been looking at recipes and like, I, I've been really wanting to be about it a lot more. I would like, yeah. To, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I love cooking and actually what, what's been really a, a sweet thing lately. So I mentioned I lived in Puerto Rico as a child. So my dad, you know, growing up, my dad's a cook. So that's another element. <laughs> yeah. So I remember growing up to just, you know, really great food. And, you know, even I one of my, I'll sidebar a quick story. I remember when I was like, like a teenager and I opened the fridge and it was like, there's nothing to eat. Of course, in my teenage mind, I think there's nothing. And <laughs> there's some leftovers. And he's like, well, are you hungry, kid? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, give me 10 minutes or whatever. And I came back and he made the, the best meal that I, I thought was nothing. And it was a bunch of like leftovers and stuff like that. And it was the best. I can't even tell you what it was, but it was so good. I just have a, a beautiful memory of that. But so when we lived in Puerto Rico, a very popular dish in Puerto Rico is just is Puerto Rican style beans. And you put it with rice, you know? And so about six months ago or 
five, six months ago, I asked my dad to come over and show me how to make those beans because I just missed having them and, and it's just so flavorful. And so I recently, I made a pot of beans yesterday. They came out really good. So I have another pot of soak of beans soaking, ready to cook them today because I'm just, yeah. So just, I love like good food. I love like warm comfort foods and that's, you know, the beans especially are just, the Puerto Rican style beans are just like childhood for me. So Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I tell you, cooking is something that is a, you know, like it takes a lot of time and like, I'm like you, like I don't cook a lot. My wife is a fantastic cook. My daughter's a great cook. So I don't, I, they're always cooking, right? And so they don't need me to cook. I'll, I'll do the grill stuff. But gotcha, gotcha. I tell you, I have, I'm like you. I have a couple of things that I can cook. My daughter refers to them as those three little sorry meals that you make, you know? <laughs> but but I don't let that deter me from still making my three little that's sorry meals right. on occasion. That's right. And I'm also excited. I love my husband. Another quick side story. But my husband's from Texas. And... What I laugh because when I met him and I live in San Diego now, we don't have soul food here in San Diego. So when I met him, we were starting a date and stuff like that. And he was like, hey, you know, it was time to meet the parents. Right. And he was like, so, you know, my mom will cook for you and I love to eat. And so I said, oh, what kind of food are they going to make? And he said soul food. And I was like, oh, and he was like, what? And I was like, oh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like soul food. I felt bad. I was like, I don't really like soul food. At least I think I did. I didn't think I did. And he was like, you don't like soul food? I'm like, no, I don't think so. So, and it was only because of the soul food I've eaten in San Diego, you know, back then, back then, 20 years ago. And so he's like, okay, give me, just, just go, go with me for a second. Give, give, be open-minded and try. If you don't like my mom's soul food cooking, you don't like soul food. Just, but just give us one, one more try, you know, cause she's from Texas and, you know, and so man, Carl, let me tell you, mom's converted me <laughs> immediately immediately i was like oh my god and so what i love is that actually i learned a couple of her recipes now that i'm now that we, you know and so i make those during the holidays and such like that i see learning to love your mother-in-law's food <laughs> that that was a smart move on a lot of levels right you know, <laughs> you know that was a smart move on a lot of levels so well, she, you know, she, good for you thank you very much but she did she did all the convincing it wasn't that hard that food was delicious <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> that is fantastic. That is fantastic. So what would you say, Rebecca, is for you the most rewarding thing about being a musician? And on the flip side, what's the most challenging thing? Well, I think the most rewarding thing for me personally is knowing that I'm on the path that I believe I'm meant to be on and fulfilling that. I, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard. There's people, you know, uh, especially like women, like right when I was kind of coming up that they were super, again, when I kind of referenced being so many talented people out there, I remember hearing multiple stories of like women who their boyfriends wouldn't let them perform because you know, of their jealousy and all that stuff. And so I'm grateful to have an amazing supportive husband. I also, I know of people that have had health situations that, that really determined them. I was actually in a, a car accident a long time ago that kind of deterred the basketball thing that I was, you know, kind of going towards. But as I look back after, along after that happened, I feel like that actually was what led me to kind of go into like the music was supposed to be my path, you know? So you just never know, like certain things, like where certain doors close, like it's because you're meant to go down this path. So I'm just so grateful. And that 
really is feels rewarding to me that I'm on the path. And again, and I'll, I'll I'm sure I'll sound like a broken record, but I just don't take it for granted because so many people. And then the challenging part, I think that was the other part, right? Was challenging just is to be encouraged all the time that you can't be encouraged all the time. I think when there's times when you self doubt your journey and like, you know, maybe things aren't going as fast as you hope and Oh, am I? And then you second guess, even though all these doors open for you, then you maybe go, oh God, am I on the right path? You know? And so I think that's the challenge is to just stay encouraged within yourself, your self-belief that you are doing the right thing. And then these beautiful things, what I love is there's things that kind of happen along the way of your path that just go like little, like, here you go. You know, these are these beautiful things that say, hey, you're on the right path. Just keep tracking, keep at it, you know. But yeah, that's what I think is the, the probably the most challenging part for. Yeah. But you know what? One of the things you said I love is that, you know, the fact that you recognize those little Easter eggs, if you will, that are telling you, hey, you're doing the right thing. Just stay the course, right? Because you're right. It's, I love what you said earlier too about 15 years to become an overnight success, right? Because people don't understand all that. Like we see you on stage and we hear you on the radio and it's, People don't understand all that went into getting to that point, right? And it's a hard industry. Like I have, I have a, my daughter is going to be going off to college in the fall and she's an aspiring singer. She wants to be a singer and she wants to sing and act on Broadway. And she says she's going to sing and act on Broadway. Then she's going to become a pop star and then she's going to have a talk show and then she's going to retire. That's her, that's her career that's plan, her right? Plan. I love so it. I'm like, go, you, you go girl, right? <laughs> but you know, like I was just talking to her the other day about how she always has to learn these new songs and has to learn these new roles for these plays and things. It's like, there's no way I can remember all that. And she's working on it all the time. And she's just, she's in high school, getting ready to go to college and doing it at that level. At your level, it's a totally different ball game yet. And I think that, and like one of the things I love to talk to artists about is like, how much time do you spend practicing your craft? Because I like, I hear these stories about like these great artists, like somebody was telling me about Kirk Whalum and how, you know, they've toured with Kirk and opened for Kirk a couple of times and how every time they've been on a bill with Kirk up until the moment before he goes on stage, he's basically practicing trying to get better, you know? Mm, And when you think about people who are as accomplished as that, the work that they have to put in, it, it is, you do have to keep yourself encouraged and you do have to remember to smell the roses a little bit along the way and recognize those milestones. Yeah, that's really beautiful to say that because that's true. I mean, I feel like artists maybe approach their craft differently too, you know, like I'm doing a Sade show, tribute show coming up here at Spagatini in Seal Beach. And I'm taking on that challenge because I haven't done that show in probably not like 10 years. And I have to like kind of go back to basics a little bit to, you know, to just put the show together. And I'm I'm just, I'm excited about it, but I'm like, it's a challenge also, you know, and I feel like those are really important to do that. You got to continue to challenge yourself and because that's just how you keep evolving and getting better and learning. And it does nothing in my opinion, but to make you a better, better artist, a better educator. So whatever that is for you, for each artist, that's good. Whether that's like you said, Kirk just just keeps practicing. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But yeah, it's quite an interesting thing. Oh, another thing I will say too that I've also learned that I love to share, especially with like aspiring artists, is that I feel like it's important that if you continue to like because people will see your grind, you know. I think that's what people saw in me, you know, like I 
I'm always about like just the hustle. I want to do the best can grind, you know, and people are more willing to help you if they see that you're going to help yourself. And I feel like that was kind of a big aha moment for me. You know, when people like, like I said, when Eric Darius started bringing me on, he's like, Hey, by the way, I know you're just new into this, you know, smooth jazz world. Hit me up if you have any questions. And let me tell you, I was like, Eric, but because he saw like my work hustle and epic, he was willing. And I would say he's not the only one. I've had so many people be like that for me. Um, and I know I feel like that's the case. Like I would do that for another up and coming artist because I see that they're hustling, that they just have a vibe, they're positive, they're fun to be around. Anyway, just just sharing that in case anybody, you know. It's an awesome thing to share because I, I think there's two things in that. One is that you having your hustle, right? But then, too, you got to realize those people that are helping you, they got there because of their hustle, right? And when they see that, like, if they don't see it in you, like, they're busy, they're doing their thing, they're trying to make it go still, too. Like, that's important for them to see that in you because that's what makes them say, yeah, you know, I want to help this person come along because I know they're going to want to appreciate it, too. They're going to put in the work. And that's what it takes. Like, nobody nobody becomes successful. Like, I, I think some people think that some people just become successful. Even when you have talent, like, talent just kind of gets you in the door. It's a lot of other stuff you got to do to make that talent really manifest itself. A hundred percent. One of the things I've never forgotten, I used to have a great friend of mine is Chuck Morris. He's a drummer and he was the drummer for back in the day for Arsenio Hall show and a lot of other stuff. Yeah. And so something he told me years ago, like when I met him probably like 15 years ago or something like that. Um, and it just always stuck with me. He said, it's all about the hang, you know, if like 90% of it and it can't, it's really true too, even in like doing these tours with Dave and, you know, the cruises and any of anybody, you're going to be spending more time with these people off stage than on stage. So yeah, there's a lot of talented people out in the world, a lot of talented, but are they going to be cool to hang around or are you going to just be downers or like with a cloud around your head if you walk in the room? Nobody wants to be around people like that. So be cool. <laughs> I've repeated this so many times on this show, but it's so profound. Oh, Najee, when I had him on the show, he said something that was just so simple, but so profound. He said, Carl, I only work with people I like, you know, just it's pretty simple, right? I work with people I like. And you're right. Like, you have to understand that you have to be good at your craft, but you also have to be the kind of person that people want to engage with, want to be around, want to tour with, right? Because there's a lot of touring with somebody is that's a that's like you're with them a lot, you know? So I want to talk a little bit about all these other things that you do, the acting, the modeling, the motorcycle, the cars, like, how'd you get into all that other stuff? Gosh. Okay. Well, so growing up as a young person, I guess, <laughs> growing up, I was very much involved in sports and also the arts. So acting was kind of in the same world with the music. I, when I was playing uh, baseball, I was also in the youth choir. When I was on the swim team, I was also doing church plays. I was always like really had this dichotomous life as, as far as between the arts and athletics. And so I, even when I got to college, so I earned a full basketball scholarship to, to Cal, go Bears, on basketball. And I didn't know what degree to study, so I studied theater. <laughs> I just love the arts. I've always been enthralled with it, how it makes me feel, how it just evokes emotion. So theater, I feel like that also in a way helps me feel comfortable on stage. You know, I, I 
feel a little bit like an introvert. So sometimes I feel like that stage, the theater background makes me feel a little bit more comfortable to engage with people. And, and yeah, so I, I, I just have a history with the theater and music and in that way, I, I love it so much. Cars have always just been an interest to me and motorcycles. I, my dad has, I think my dad, I don't remember him ever, ever having a motorcycle, but he has a Harley tattoo. So I think he had one, you know, he, when he was, before I was born. And I just remember, I, I don't know why, but one of those days, probably like about, I've been riding, I think for about 15 years now. And so, but I remember when we first started, yeah, because my husband and I, yeah, so about 15, 16 years ago, I remember one day I just said, hey, do you know how to ride a motorcycle? And he goes, my husband, he says, yeah. I said, oh, I think I want to get my license. It was just out of like left field. I don't know why. I just said, you know, he was like, okay. So we started going, got our licenses, and then I we, we got motorcycles and that this is history. So we just, we love to ride. And then uh, as far as cars, I don't know where I got the love for like classic cars, but I just when I see them. I just love them. So um, <laughs> my mom, I just remember her telling me once that she, she had a VW Beetle in college. That was her first car. And so I found a VW Beetle and I bought that. So I have a 1970 VW. And then uh, one day my husband and I, like he came across an ad for like somebody in the neighborhood uh, we were living at the time, they were selling an El Camino. So he said, he knows that my favorite car is actually is the Mustang, the fastback, the one they call. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So Eleanor, the the Eleanor, I think it's a 67 fastback. That's my favorite car. And so he, he's like, okay, it's not Eleanor, but there's a cool El Camino for sale. Like, you know, this kid was selling it to go to college or whatever it was. I forget why. Young kid, he was selling it. So I bought an El Camino. So I have an 85 El Camino also. Wow. (laughs) Good for you. And what kind of motorcycle do you guys ride? Oh, I ride, I have two. So I ride, we both ride Harleys. Uh, so I'll have a V-Rod, the cool bike. So V-Rods are made with Porsche. So they're very fast, <laughs> very sleek car, uh, mo- motorcycles, very beautiful. So I have a, a 2005 V-Rod. And then I also have a classic uh, motorcycle. So I have a 1993 Juke, uh, Suzuki Jixer 600. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm coming to you today from the home of Harley Davidson, Milwaukee. <gasps> That's right. I've been there. And, and have you been? Okay. I, I, I used did. to. I went- I went to the uh, museum. It was beautiful. Okay. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to own an ad agency in my previous life, and Harley-Davidson used to be a client of ours. Nice. So, very familiar. Have you ever been here for one of the Harley-Davidson homecomings? No. Oh, man. You got to check that out. Really? Okay. Yes. People come in from all over the world. It is a long weekend. It's really people make it really about a week. They ride into Milwaukee from literally all over the world, South America. People have their bikes shipped from as far away as Australia, New Zealand, Asia. And it is the streets of Milwaukee are taken over by Harley Davidson motorcycles. All the hotels are sold out, all the restaurants. And they we have a big stretch of Lake Michigan. Harley puts on this huge party with concerts and everything. So, yeah, you guys should check out the Harley Davidson homecoming. No. If you guys are avid riders. Okay. Yeah. It's something else. It's something else. Yeah. Yeah. While you consider checking that out, we're going to check out another one of your songs. How about we take a listen to Please Come Home? Awesome. It's an hour past 
big fight So dark, I can't even borrow moonlight See if you're finally coming back home This might have been the last straw Maybe we were both wrong Tell me what were we fighting on I don't even know anymore If you see me Just friends, it's crossed my mind before. But there's no choosing who you love. What you give is more than enough. I know lately things have been rough, but you're worth fighting for. If you see me, oh, will you let me? Run? If you see me coming, will you let me run? everybody that was today's guest rebecca jade with her tune please come home so we we're doing another segment on the show rebecca and we call it artist choice and so i ask our artists to share with us a song from an artist that they're getting into and you shared with us a song by an artist named emily king called georgia tell us about your connection to that song and to that artist so I I remember coming across this artist only because I was talking with a friend of mine. He's a great poet here in San Diego. His name's Kendrick Dial. And I was just wanted to pick his brain because I remember this is before this album, A Shade of Jade. 
And I was really like trying to just contemplate how to become a better songwriter, lyricist. I, I, I knew I had something in me that wanted to be a songwriter and I just hadn't done any projects yet where I was writing my own music at the time. I little stuff. I had, you know, like dabbled, had notebooks and stuff, but I just never felt like a songwriter, even though I knew that I was, I felt like I was one inside, but I so I reached out to my friend Kendrick and he's a fantastic lyricist, spoken word. Those spoken word artists are, the word is their sword. It's amazing. They, they can craft like no other. And Kendrick, I remember I just got together with him one day. I said, Hey, you know, can I just pick your brain? So we got together and he's the one that turned me on to Emily. He said, check her out, check out this artist, just check out her for, you know, we talked about, of course, other things and just phrasing and like, of uh, um, putting phrases together and just how to craft and stuff like that. But he was the one that turned me on to Emily and I deep dove into her catalog at the time. And I could have picked a number of her songs to send you, but Georgia was one that I just love. She just has this, in a way, it's like a, she has a brighter version of like an, of a, like of Billie Holiday to me, her phrasing. And it's just, it's light and airy, but it's just like, I just, I'm just sucked in. Like it's so soft. So it makes me want to listen more. And there's just something about the simplicity of her music too. It's not a big production. You can tell it's, it's, almost like a kind of a cajon or something like on the percussion element and she plays guitar and she sings and it's just the, the harmonies, which I'm a sucker for just beautiful harmonies. And stuff. Yeah. So there, there's, I just was completely take, taken away when I hear her music. So, and Georgia was one, is like one of my favorites of hers. So she's an amazing, amazing artist. I'm glad. I'm great. Well, y'all let's check it out. This is Rebecca Jade's artist choice song, Georgia by Emily King. Not ready the day you gave me your heart. I was still falling apart, but since that moment, I can't stop hearing your name. Wondering about you all. Come back, come back, Joe. 
Again, that was Georgia by Emily King. And so, Rebecca, you were just talking a little bit about being a songwriter. As a songwriter, like, what is that process for you? How, like, what inspires that process? Is it something that happens in life? Is it something that just comes to you? How does that happen? Yeah, I feel like some a lot of it has been just stuff that kind of comes to me. And I'm also at a point where I'm trying to be more open to it. I think at the time, like I mentioned, I had some notes of, of just random ideas that I, you know, I like one of the songs on my, on my album is called Beautiful Lies. I just, I remember just coming up with the title. I had no concept for it at all. I just remember somehow seeing it somewhere or it popped in my mind. I was like, okay, I'm just writing this down. All I know is I want a song that says Beautiful Lies. I don't know where it, what it means. Nothing. And then that song I had to kind of craft because I had no point of nothing that came from it. But yeah, a lot of it at the beginning, especially were like some of them were maybe personal experiences and some of them are like things I've just come across either from people in my life or movies. Like I said, because I'm in the arts, I love watching movies and shows. So I feel like I'm taken away like when I watch those shows. So I, tr- I take even from those, you know, or just people around me, or I try to, especially now that I'm, I'm just trying to be more in tune with any, anything can be a song, you know, you can be motivated by anything. And also there's a great, so I have two records with a group that I was a part of called Rebecca Jade and the Cold Fact. And we were doing like vintage soul, just really great, great groove songs, you know, funk songs. And there's the lyricist for those two records is a guy named Alfred Howard. And he just writes 
like he's breathing. It's just amazing. And so I was very in, inspired by him too, because he can write something about a picture on a wall. And so I, he just helped, he really helped me to just kind of open my mind as far as like, you can write about anything, paper on a desk or what's on that paper, you know, just like, how can you delve into that more and just have, he just helped me put a different lens, him and Kendrick that I mentioned before, just I've always been open to it, wanting to find being how to find tap into that creative juice somehow, because I've never had it. But I just had to keep opening my eyes to it. Yeah, that's cool. So what is something your fans would be surprised to learn about you? (gasps) I auditioned for American Idol. You did. Okay, tell us about that. You know, back when it was super popular and I was very green and kind of like, you know, trying to trying to make it again, done lots of different things. I had taken the last year possible because at the time there was like a 25 year old uh, age cutoff. And so I missed the one here in San Diego, but I think that was actually ended up being my first travel with my husband. So we weren't married yet. I don't think we were gonna, we were, yeah, we had actually, we weren't married yet. And I, I saw that the next stop was in Hawaii. So I said, well, this is like my last chance to do this. So we flew to Hawaii and I did it. I did the audition and it was kind of eye opening to be a part of that. I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad I did it. Um, I'm glad I didn't do well in it, I guess, but I had done the audition. It's this whole cattle call and we're like, you know, you're You start to get to know the people that you're in line. You're waiting in line for two days or whatever, a day overnight. And so we kind of did the whole wait in line thing. And, you know, you're hearing people singing and you know, they're warming up as you're now, the next morning, you're kind of getting there and you go, you're like, oh, I, I don't know if that person, you know, you know, you might have, you know, then you hear other people and you're like, oh, wow, okay, they might have a chance. And, you know, you kind of make your own assumptions along. And, and, and because then you make also, you become friends with them. And and then you see now you're being cattled into like a line of like 10 different producers. You know, you've got, this is way before even you get to the thing with the Simon and, you know, or whatever, you know, that, that part. You're just going into the initial part. You're talking to, you're being, walking through a line of, there's 10 different producers that you're going to get picked to be sing in front of one of them, right? And Or 20. It was a lot of them. So you're, we're in this big field. I think we're at like Hawaii, like where Hawaii, University of Hawaii played. It was their stadium. And so my husband, my boyfriend at the time, my husband now, but boyfriend at the time was like in the stands and I'm kind of getting up to the part and, you know, you could tell how people do, like they go to the left if you're going to advance and you go to the right if you're going home or vice versa. But anyway, let's just say that. So left, you're advancing, right, you're going home. And so he sees me. So he's watching me from the thing and he sees me go to the right, you know, and he's just like, what? He's like, oh, my God, what happened? So basically, when I get to the line, I had a song prepared and I think it was Over the Rainbow. And I thought I would just pick something that I felt like I sang well, you know, and 
Yeah. And then they stopped me and they were like, well, can you do something more like a beat and more? And I wasn't ready for that, you know? And so I picked a song. I had to call kind of pick a song like off the top of my head and I kind of didn't really know it. And, and they were like, well, you have a beautiful voice, but you're no Kelly Clarkson is what they said. And I was like, okay. And so then I moved <laughs> on. They exclu- excused me. And then we're, w- we're also seeing other people that were around. Some of them got advanced. To the, but it was the people who like, remember when they would put people on to be like to embarrass them? Oh, yeah. Remember that? Oh, and yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know what? Mm, I didn't like that, that premise because yeah. you're bringing people on, giving them these false hopes. I'm not trying to yep. drop the show, but you know. Yep. Just, but no, you you're know. right, though. You're and, right. And then come to find out if you even advance and stuff like the contracts for some of these were like these 360 deals and it just which is means basically they they want to they want part money of anything you do even after the show and all this because they so anyway it just it wasn't the right fit i'm glad i didn't advance i'm glad i experienced it but so i have people that sometimes ask they're like oh you should go on the voice and stuff i'm like "Mm." i just i kind of been there done that with the american idol and i just i'm glad that i was able to start to really forge my own path and and have friends that support me and kind of help me help me along the way so good for you blessing in disguise right yeah absolutely yeah yeah so what advice rebecca would you give your 13 year old self about life that life is a challenge but to just stay the course you know i think and to enjoy the process and to not like stress as much you know because the journey is going to happen anyway so might as well try to enjoy it and like the ups are going to be ups the downs are going to be downs but it's a continuous wave so you know be part of the journey instead of like stressing when the journey happens when the downs come because they're going to come anyway so i think that's you know probably a good a lesson i wish i would have known you know as part of this Good advice. Good advice. So a couple of questions I like to ask all of our guests. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. All okay. right. <laughs> Your three favorite albums of all time. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's really hard. Okay. I will definitely say one that I, I really wore out was Erica Badu's first album called Badu. Yeah. Yeah. That one, because I just, there was nobody like her at the time, you know, when she came out, I wore out that record. Another one, I just want to make sure I get the title right, but I remember because I was, I liked like hip hop and like, but one of my favorite records was A Tribe Called Quest. I think it was Midnight Marauders. That record I could play over and over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a great one. Quest, Midnight Marauders was, was no, no, Low End Theory, that album. Sorry, I had a long time. Low End Theory, that record is so dope. And so, and that one had me like, you know, people talk about rap and hip hop. Like, I feel like that was like, to me, it was like one of the best like hip hop albums, just fresh and just really, really, really dope. And then, God, I don't even know if I could pick one album. It's uh, actually another one I can play from top to bottom was Mariah Carey's first album. I forget ah. the title of it, but it's the one that has vision, vision of love. That album. I mean, I remember she was not as much of an influence on me as Whitney Houston, but that her first album was fire. It was so great. 
Yeah. So and there's so many more I love. I just, those are three that I could, I know that I could play from top to bottom and just love. Fantastic. And another question for you then, you're having a dinner party. You can invite any three people living or deceased who's coming to Rebecca's dinner party and what's on the menu. Ooh. <laughs> Whitney Houston. Oh yeah. Prince. Ooh. And ooh, who's another person I would have to my party? Whitney Houston, Prince, Stevie Wonder. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a great choice. That's yeah. a great choice. All right. And what are you serving? On the menu. Ooh. Yeah. I think I think we would go. I think we would go like a like island vibe, like a like Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican style Cuban food, you know, that kind of, you know, just flavor without, you know, without like the spice, but not spicy, you know, like I love full flavored food and, you know, like some beautiful, some really good soups and, you know, the rice and the chickens and, and all that stuff. But yeah, I think that would be a good uh a good choice right there. That sounds like that would be one heck of a party. That's like <laughs> one heck of a party. So Rebecca, tell our listeners what the rest of the year holds for you. I am so excited. I have a beautiful schedule that is being currently developed tour schedule. So yeah, I have a lot of travel coming up this year and let's see, I'm also doing Dave's cruise again. So we go out of Athens, Greece. Oh, cool! <sighs> I'm doing a Valentine's day show here in San Diego at a cool club called Humphreys backstage. So I'll be there. Yeah, quite a bit kind of happening tour wise. And then also working on some more music. So I'm excited to share some of that as well. And just kind of continuing to just evolve, just try to continue to make my mark and hoping to do some more acting this year, actually, as well. So just kind of keeping myself, you know, trying to keep fresh and keep, yeah, probably want to do another music video this year for one of my songs. And yeah, I just want to keep keep at it. Sounds like a lot going on, but all yeah. good stuff. Yeah. I well, I, I want to thank you so much, Rebecca, for taking time to chop it up with us a little bit today. Great to have you on. We wish you continued success and tell our listeners where they can find out about your tour and find out about what's going on with you. Thank you so much, Carl. Thank you for having me. I just recently updated my website with my calendar, and that's my name, RebeccaJade.com. And then you can follow me on social media. All my handles are Lady Rebecca Jade, as well as All you. right. All right. Well, we appreciate your time, Rebecca, and thank you so much. Thank you, Carl. I really appreciate your all the wonderful questions. Thank you for the interview. <laughs> glad. Glad you had a good time. I had a great time. So thank you. All right, everybody. I want to take a moment to thank our original and ongoing sponsor of the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, Laffy Leitner and Good. LLG is Milwaukee's premier civil litigation firm with a national reputation for big firm results for its clients. Their relentless commitment to clients in the courtroom is matched only by their authentic and consistent commitment to their Milwaukee home. Thanks, LLG, for supporting Fresh Coast Jazz. And I also want to remind you to get your tickets for the 2024 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, August 22nd through 24th at the historic Pabst Theater in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, featuring Boney James, Kirk Whalem, Nathan Mitchell, Ryan Lavalette, Lamech, Quentin Gerard W., Kim Scott, Andrea Lisa, D. Lucas, and Marcus Adams. Visit www.freshcoastjazz.com for tickets and information. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. 
We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. 